Great to see you this evening. Mitch and I, I just got back uh, about 48 hours ago um, from Africa, where we have been there this last week, and uh, had a wonderful privilege to be in Nairobi, Kenya. And uh, on the Thursday night, I got to speak to a room full of young adults, hundreds of young adults fired up for God. It was really exciting. And then Saturday, I spoke for about 300 business leaders uh, in Nairobi Lighthouse Church. And then Sunday morning, three packed, glorious services and uh, felt like we'd just died and gone to heaven. One, we had church and then thought, oh, we get to do this again. And then, oh, we get to do this again, again. And it was just amazing. We also had Dr. Sothene and Batoko from the Democratic Republic of the Congo join us. And we had Timothy and Gertrude come down from Liberia. We had Jamie Peters come up from Southern Africa. And we spent some time with our workers, our field workers. And it was precious time, beautiful time. And then uh, on the Monday, uh, Mitch flew with Dr. Sothene to the Democratic Republic of the Congo. I flew to Zimbabwe. And then three days later, we met up in uh, Johannesburg and got back home 48 hours ago. Mitch's luggage didn't make it home until the next day. My heart hasn't made it home yet because I love Africa and I love Africans. And I don't know, it scares me, but every time I go to Africa, I don't feel like I have to come home. That's a scary, scary thought. But it'll catch up with me eventually. Are you ready for God's word tonight? Reach your hand out towards me, please. Father, I want to thank you for the honor and the privilege that Carol and I have, Lord, of pastoring this precious church with our other pastors here with us tonight. I ask now in these next few minutes you would take your word and the Holy Spirit would instruct us with it. Help us, build us up, strengthen us. Let us live unto you all pleasing. Let us live unto you fruitful. Let us live unto you, Lord, with a good theme in our heart for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In John chapter 14 and verse 27, Jesus said, peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart tonight be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Don't let your heart tonight be troubled or afraid. The New Living Translation reads it this way. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and peace of heart. There it is. Peace of mind and peace of heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. Peace of mind and peace of heart is a gift that belongs to every child of God. It is a given gift for every believer, for every person who says, I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, then as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, a gift is given to every believer, and that is the gift of peace of mind and peace of heart. That is the gift of not being troubled or afraid. That is our portion. 
and that is our inheritance. And we don't even, we don't even earn it. It's, it's a gift, peace of mind, peace of heart, not being troubled, not being afraid, not troubled, not afraid, not troubled, not afraid, peace of mind, peace of heart. I give, I give. Now, there are people who spend their entire lives struggling for what we have for free. I mean, they're prescribed it. They're taking it. They're seeking it. They're searching it. They're looking for it, man. They're looking under everything. They're, every, they're not leaving one stone unturned and kind of going crazy, being crazy, looking for what's been given to you and me for free. A free gift I give you. But here's the problem. There's a thief. There's a thief that comes to steal what's yours. And peace of mind and peace of heart is the gift of Jesus to you. And not being troubled and not being afraid is his gift to you. It's yours. But there's a thief who comes to steal what belongs to you. And we read in John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal. Now, he can't steal what you don't have, but he knows what you've been given. He knows you've been given peace of mind. He knows you've been given peace of heart. He knows that Jesus has laid no trouble. Come on, we're not going to be troubled. We're not going to be afraid. And so that he wants to take what, what belongs to you, what was given to you, what is a gracious, precious gift given to you. Satan is a thief. And he wants to steal from you your peace and your joy. He hates your peace. He hates your peace of mind and your peace of heart. He wants you troubled and afraid. And that's just the truth. But sometimes we end up doing his work for him. We're not always the sharpest pencil in the pack. We're not, we're, sometimes, sometimes, I mean, listen, he oppresses us, but we can also oppose ourselves. So here he, here's the, de- the enemy's, you know, oppressing me, but sometimes I don't even need him to do that. I'll just oppose myself. I can just kind of think myself into a funk all by myself. You know what I mean? And here's what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 25. He said, in meekness, in meekness, instructing those who oppose themselves. Man, it's one thing to have the devil oppressing you. It's another thing to have you opposing you. And you in self-destruct mode. Me in self-destruct mode. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God, preadventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth. Everybody say the truth. Say it again. Because you see, that's where freedom is. By the acknowledging of the truth, watch this, that they may, those who oppose themselves, that they may recover themselves. Those who oppose themselves lay hold of the truth and they recover themselves. Out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Sometimes 
My worst enemy is not the devil. It's my own thoughts, it's my own words, and it's my own attitudes. And he can just take the day off because I'm on today. I'm messing me today. I'm messing with me today. Now, when I quit messing with me, he'll jump in there and he'll start messing with me. But sometimes I don't even need him to mess with me. I'm messing with me by the thoughts I'm thinking and the words I'm saying and the attitudes I'm displaying. And we can sabotage our own peace all by ourselves, with no help from him at all. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians 4, 6, so don't worry about anything. I thought that was such a good word there, Peter. You know, if the Bible told us to be worried about something, he would say, well, worry about it. Worry about it. I mean, so we only should worry about it if the Bible says worry about it. If God says, look, there's a couple things here I don't have yet, and I'm not sure how it's going to turn. Okay, worry about that. But here's what the Bible says over and over and over again. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi. Don't worry about anything. Come on, now, this is you maintenancing you. This is you taking care of you. This is you taking care of your own mental and heart condition. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him for all he's done. I mean, if you just had to live that one verse for the rest of your life, how many reckon that'd be a pretty good life? Honestly, if the rest of the Bible just sat on the shelf. Now, don't let that happen because it's all good. But this one verse of scripture, if you just woke up tomorrow saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I don't, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to worry about anything. Instead, I'm going to pray about everything. I'm going to tell God what I need, and then I'm going to thank him for all he's done. If you do this, if you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. Peace of heart, peace of mind, peace of mind, peace of heart. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned from me and heard from me and saw me doing, and the God of peace will be with you. Two times I've read Joyce Meyer's book called Battlefield for the Mind, and I think the most, you know, to me, the, the number one sentence in that book, it's a pr pretty thick book by Mama Joyce. I love her. I listened to her book twice, but she says this. She said, you need to think about what you're thinking about. You need to think about what you're thinking about. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to be with Pastor Tom Renard doing his missions conference in Yuma, Arizona. And I heard Tom say, we not only have the power to change our thoughts, but the responsibility. Because there are thoughts that will steal your peace of mind. And there are thoughts that will steal your peace of heart. And there are thoughts, you just think them, and you will be troubled. 
And there are thoughts, and you just think them, and you will be afraid. There are thoughts, and I want to talk about a couple of these thoughts tonight. There's probably three thoughts that will just rob you of your peace every time. You just think on them long enough. You just go there. You just go there, and you'll come back from there with no peace of mind, no peace of heart. You'll be troubled, and you'll be afraid. It'll just be like stirring stuff up. But here's the thing about your thoughts. You can think about what you're thinking about. And you can change your mind. Come on. Every woman in this house should have just said amen. (laughs) And every man should have said me too. Me too. You can change your mind. So let's talk about a couple thoughts that will rob us. Absolutely rob us of the free gift that God has given us. The free gift of peace of mind, peace of heart, where we're not troubled and where we're not afraid. And, of course, the first thought, well, I can just tell you right now, regrets. I mean, there's three thoughts. We could talk about regrets, anxiety, and ingratitude. And those three thoughts right there, well, you just, you know, you don't need the devil to mess you up. You just go there. You just go to the thought of regrets about what's happened in the past. You just go there with anxiety over what's ahead and just live right there today with ingratitude over what you don't have. And you, you, don't, you don't even need the enemy because you're opposing yourself. But I want to talk about the two of these thoughts tonight, and that is regret and anxiety. Regret over yesterday's mistakes. Everyone in this room has a past. And everyone in this room has made mistakes in it. Every one of us. Every one of us. You know, the Apostle Paul had a past. A past that he regretted. A past he could not undo. A past that condemned him. A past that he was ashamed of. A past where he made terrible mistakes. There was innocent blood. The blood of beautiful believers was on the hands of the Apostle Paul. Yesterday's mistakes, yesterday's regrets. So what do I do? What do I do? How can I have peace of mind and heart when I think of my past? And so here's what Paul said. This is what he did concerning his past. In Philippians 3 and verse 13, brethren... I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul, how do you deal with all that regret? I'll bet he met members of families whose Relatives' blood were on his own hands. Forgetting what's behind and reaching for what's ahead. And one sure way to sabotage today's peace of mind is to keep going back to the past and visiting the regrets that live there. Paul said, I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past. I mean, it took work for Paul. So I'm focusing all my energies on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, forgetting what's behind me and reaching for what's in front of me in Christ Jesus. So look, here's what I know about the past. Number one, I know this. It's forgiven. 
There is nothing there that the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ cannot cleanse and cannot cover. Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing back there that the cross and the blood cannot cleanse and cannot cover. There's nothing in my past more powerful than the forgiving, cleansing, releasing, emancipating blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is nothing in my past more stubborn and unrelenting than the marvelous mercy and the amazing grace of God. Nothing. Now, here's what else I know about the past. There's nothing that nobody has done to me back there. As bad as it could be. There's nothing that nobody has done to me back there that I can't and won't forgive right here. Nothing. They may not deserve it, but neither do I. Who deserves to be forgiven by God? And there are people in my life that don't deserve my forgiveness, but they got it anyway. They got it anyway. Mercy and grace are the only reasons this man's going to heaven. Mercy and grace. And, they're the, and so I'm not going to cut myself off from the mercy of grace by cutting off mercy and grace to the people who, you know, those people. Does anyone else have people like that in their past that have hurt you bad? Mercy and grace. That's what's going to get me to heaven. And for me to be resentful and unforgiving would keep me. They would cut me off from that mercy and that grace. Man, to cut off mercy and grace to others is to burn the very bridge I have to cross over to get into heaven. And here's what else I know about the past. Mistakes and failures are not the end of the world if you turn from them and grow from them and become a better person and a different person and you're on your way to another place and somehow the past is not just used to, you know, to condemn you for failing, but it somehow forms you in, in your own walk and in, your, and in your own life and you're better, you're better, you're better than you were. And sometimes we walk through fires and floods and we think that they're there to, to kill us. No, actually, I mean, I guess we could lay down and die there, but they're there for God to form us and for God to make me more like Jesus. And if I have to go to a cross every now and then, how many know that's being like Jesus? Regrets over yesterday's mistakes. Thoughts that will steal my peace of mind, my peace of heart, thoughts that will trouble and make me afraid. The second thing I want to talk about tonight is anxiety. And this is what Peter was talking about just a few minutes ago. Anxiety over tomorrow's troubles. Anxiety. Anxiety. Angst, anguish, worry, concern. Stress, fear, doubt. These things don't empty tomorrow of its troubles, but they empty today of its peace and its joy and its strength. It's like you got a siphon hose and you're siphoning all that out. Thoughts that steal are peace. Worry is a thought. Doubt is a thought. Fear is a thought. Anxiety is a thought. They're thoughts. And Jesus teaches us that there are some thoughts that we should not take. 
And there are some things we just should not think. There's just some thoughts that pop and crackle and the synopsis starts snapping. And we got to say, shut up. Nope. Nope. Not you. Not you. Not you. You. Yeah. Come here. Come here. Let's come right here. Let's thank you. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 31, therefore, take no thought. Don't take the thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? How are we going to be clothed? And will it be stylish? These are thoughts filled with anxiety about tomorrow's problems. The Bible says there are thoughts that can keep me in peace. And there are thoughts that can keep me in prison. Captivity. Here's the thing about thoughts. They carry the power of captivity. So either you bring them into captivity as a follower of Christ, or they will bring you into captivity. Philippians 4 says that if I think on things that are true and honorable and admirable and lovely and excellent, I will have the peace of God. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Here it is. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so there are thoughts that I must take captive or they will take me captive. And here's what Jesus said about worry and about tomorrow. Matthew 6, 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry. So the Bible doesn't tell us to worry. It says, do not worry. Jesus says, do not worry about your life. Your precious life. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Look at those magpies swooping down on you, scaring the daylights out of you. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry. What do you think he's trying to say to us here? I wonder if you were a theologian, if you could figure out what what Jesus is trying to say here. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows, he knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things sufficient for the day is its own trouble my peace i leave with you jesus says 
couple months ago, I was speaking on the peace of Jesus in one of the morning services. And I said that the word peace in the Greek is the word Irene. And we get the English word Irene, peace. But one of the meanings of that word, Irene, if you research and do a little exegete in there and, and, and walk through it, you'll find that it literally means exemption from the rage. How good is that? Jesus said, my peace, exemption from the rage. Now, the rage is all around us. And how many remember when Jesus was in the boat and the raging storm came and the floods and the waves and they were pouring over the boat? We remember this. And he was, what was he doing? He was exempt. He was exempt from the rage. He's sleeping in the back of the boat. And they're, they're trying to bail water. They're crying. They wake him up. Lord, don't you care? We're dying here, man. Like we are dying. We're going to drown here. And Jesus wakes up. And there's no storm in him. And he just speaks peace to the storm. And it all settles. And they look at each other and say, who is this man? Who is this man who's exempt from the rage? My peace I leave with you. So in this passage that I just read, where Jesus says, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry, and don't worry. He teaches us five things about worry in this passage, and I'll just share these quickly with you. First thing, Jesus teaches us that worry is unreasonable. Listen, listen to what he says. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes it's unreasonable the message says there is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body some of us those clothes hang better than others and some worse than others but that's not my message tonight it's unreasonable your body's like a thousand times more important to God than your clothes. I mean, the, the, what, I mean, come on, or your stomach. So it's just, this is unreasonable. Second thing Jesus teaches us about worry, it's unnatural. He says, look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because your, your heavenly father feeds the birds. And you are far more valuable than they are. Not only is worry unreasonable, it's unnatural. Matthew 6, 28. Why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? It's unnatural. Did you know sparrows don't worry? Did you know lilies don't worry? Nature doesn't worry. Worry is unnatural in God's creation. It's thinking about tomorrow as if there were no loving heavenly father who is all-powerful and caring in it, in our tomorrow. It's unnatural. 
Thirdly, Jesus says worry is unhelpful. It's not only unreasonable, it's not only unnatural. What good does it? It is totally unhelpful. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? The only thing you can do is add one ulcer to your stomach, but not a cubit to your stature. It is useless. It is unhelpful. Jesus, in the New Living Translation, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. But I reckon they probably can take a lot of moments out of our life. Somebody said worries like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but you don't get anywhere. Jesus teaches us that worry is it's unreasonable. It's unnatural. It's unhelpful. And fourthly, he teaches us that it's unnecessary. Because in Matthew 6 and verse 30, and if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? You have so little faith. If God likes sparrows and lilies, if God provides for sparrows and lilies, if God takes care of sparrows and lilies, if sparrows and lilies are precious to him, if sparrows and lilies don't have a worry in the world, well, what about you and me that he gave his only begotten son for? Romans 8.32 For he did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Worry is unreasonable. It's unnatural. It's unhelpful. It's unnecessary. And number five, I'm going to ask the team to come. Worry is unbelief. It's unbelief. Jesus said, why be like the pagans who were so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. You see, worry is what identifies the pagans. Worry is what identifies the unbelievers, not those who have a heavenly Father. Worry is the activity of unbelief. Oswald Chambers said this, worrying always results in sin. We tend to think a little anxiety and worry are simply an indication of how wise we really are. Yet it is actually a much better indication of just how wicked we are. Worrying rises from our determination to have our own way. Our Lord Jesus never worried and was never anxious because his purpose was never to accomplish his own plans, but to fulfill God's plans. Worry is wickedness for a child of God. Worry is unbelief. And unbelief is the ultimate offense that we can commit against our loving Heavenly Father. 
So regret over our past and worry over our future steals our joy. It steals our peace, which are God's gifts to us, freely given. Freely they belong to you. Freely they belong to me. Worry is a thought that we must bring into captivity. Worry is unreasonable. It's unnatural. It's unhelpful. It's unnecessary. And it's unbelief. And look, I don't have my black belt in this topic or this subject. And so I'm talking to me tonight too. I know what anxiety is. I know what panic attacks are. Had them all my life. I know what despair is. I know what depression is. But I also know what the Word of God says. And it's the Word of God. It's because of the Word of God that I'm standing here tonight talking faith and speaking the Scriptures and telling us all the truth. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first the kingdom of God. Come on. And his righteousness. Come on, stand with me as I read this passage of Scripture. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And again, Philippians 4, 6. I'll close with this tonight. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And thank him for all he's done. What do we do when the storm is raging all around us? I receive the peace of Jesus that exempts me from the rage. I receive the peace of Jesus. It's a peace above my pay grade. It's way way beyond my capacity for peace. It's the peace of Jesus, and he's given it to you. He's given it to you. There's a thief that wants to come and steal it from you. Don't let him have it. And then don't oppose yourself by going back there or heading way up there. Just stand here today filled with gratitude and peace and faith. Stand on solid rock ground that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And the storm that is around me is not within me. Can I pray for you tonight? Can I pray for you? Would you bow your heads, please? Tonight, if you'd say, Pastor, pray for me because there's a bit of a storm inside of me. I don't know if it's financial like we heard tonight, or maybe it's family, or or maybe it's something else. Maybe there's a place there in your world, like there's been so many times in my own world. And there's a bit of a storm there. And you'd say, Pastor, pray for me tonight. There's a bit of a storm in my heart. There's a bit of a storm in my life. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. Would you lift your hands if that's you? Pray for me tonight because there's a bit of a storm in my life. I see hands. God bless you. God bless you. God love you. I see hands. I see your hands. And you know God sees those hands too. Come on. Your your heavenly Father sees those hands. I see hands going up in the auditorium. And your heavenly Father sees those hands. 
And you know, the Lord has brought us all together for this moment right here this evening. Brought me and Mitch all the way back from Africa to be here tonight. He's brought you across town to be here tonight, to hear this word, to let the Holy Spirit speak, to let the word of God come in and let it give light to us, let it give life to us. And so receive tonight the peace of Jesus. Jesus said, my peace I give to you. Just reach out in your heart. Reach out with your faith and say, Jesus, I take your peace. My peace I give you. My Irene I give to you. I give you exemption from the storm. Take my peace of mind. Take my peace of heart. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Take that tonight. Receive that tonight by faith. There's nothing in your past that God hasn't forgiven. There's nothing in your future that God can't contain and control and keep. There's no storm he cannot quiet. Quiet yourself tonight in the loving care of a heavenly father, an Abba father. Put yourself in his care right now. See yourself under the banner of Abba father. Speak to your own heart tonight, peace. Breathe in and breathe out the Holy Spirit tonight. Let the storms cease. Jesus said to the storm, be still. And it was still. And the wind settled and the waves settled because the Son of God was in that boat. And the Son of God is in the boat right now of your storm. Be at peace. Be at peace tonight. Receive the peace of Jesus Christ. Go home tonight in peace. Lay down tonight in peace. Sleep tonight in peace. Wake up in the morning in peace. In the name of Jesus. Amen.